sentence and shivers down your spine. Shrieking skulls will shock your soul, seal your doom tonight. Welcome to Talking Night, everybody. <laughs> I am hosting. Okay. We're pillars of energy. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Welcome to another episode of the Tokusatsu Network podcast. I am Kuni. And that's all you need to know about me now. I am uh, joined today by three fine gentlemen. Sadly, we weren't able to secure a female seat today because of reasons. Uh, hello, Emily. We are really sad that you can join us, and we hope that you can join us next time. Emily, a new member in the Tokusatsu Network uh, <coughs> family, and also a member of the new member of the podcast, couldn't come today. But uh, well, we will talk about a bit that later. So I am joined today by uh, first of all, let's see, uh, George. How are you, George? I'm pretty good. I still haven't said hi to people. I usually throw quips in here, but today I'm not going to do that. There we go. Lovely. Fantastic. Next is Nick with his What's mind. Up? There you go. You <laughs> know he good. must be the sort of the parties. Thank you. And uh, last but not least, uh, Kevin Bruner. How are you? Ed? I'm doing well. Kuni. Kuni. Knock, knock. Who, who is it? Knock, knock. Who is it? Boo. Boo-hoo. Bukuroste Yaruze. <laughs> uh, translator's note. Bukuroste Yaruze means I will beat you to death. <laughs> this, 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 by the way, this is our, our, our Halloween spoopy special. So things are going to get spooky. Exactly. There may be skeletons. I, I don't know. You know. Did you guys know? You'll be scared by how energetic we Absolutely. are tonight. Did you guys know that you? Am have... I the only one in here who doesn't know Japanese? <laughs> I mean, could be. I, I'm, I'm not that great, but whatever. Did you guys we'll know? True fact that you all have a skeleton inside you right now, and it's copying uh, your movements. Uh, I heard no, humans no. evolve from skeletons. No, no, no! Don't, don't, don't do this to me right now, man. We all have skeletons. There's inside. a nice it's way to learn to about out. the functions of the skeleton. Actually, I can't spam. No, no. I don't oh, think George can handle it. I can't. I can't handle this. I cannot. I need to. I need a moment. Yeah, I've never been hand, able to handle anything, George. So yeah. why worry now? Yeah, well, screw you. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, as Kevin said, this is a Halloween spooky episode. Well, spooky episode. Let's just not do that. Um, we are going to talk about scary stuff in Tokusatsu in general. But first of all, I'd like to know, guys, do you like scary stuff? I mean, do you like to be scared? Because that's the main thing. I don't think uh, I can be scared, but I like scary stuff. I. Um, what do you mean? What do you mean exactly? That, yeah. Uh, stuff doesn't scare me. Like anything at all? Mm, death. You know, <laughs> everyone's going to die It's fine, it's fine. So it? even then, it's not that scary. Okay, Nick, Nick, question. What? So, wow, dude, I'm just trying to tone it down, man. <laughs> okay, what's, what's the question? So, does, uh, okay, when you say you're not scared, do you mean by media in general or by things in... Oh, no, I was talking about stuff in real life. If we're talking about movies, The Thing is a terrifying movie. Oh. John Carpenter, what is that, 1984? It's a great film. That monster actually made me squeamish. It was <laughs> nice. so, like, realistic. The total classic. Yes. 
So, I mean, what, what, what's that particularly scares you about the thing? Well, there's the paranoia aspect, you know. It could be anyone in the room. But also, when you see the monster and it's just all fleshy and gooey. Upside down and, heads you know, with spider is, legs on it? Yeah, that's terrifying. Yeah, was that Stan Winston? Did he do the effects for that one? I believe it I was, think yeah. so, yeah. I mean, one of his like, more representative works, right? I can't remember. So, anyway, if that was him, you have one of the special effects greats, you know, right up there with Harryhausen and now. And it looked real and yeah. disgusting. And so I'm sitting there with my stomach turned because I'm like, I, like, I really felt like I was about to throw up watching that thing crawl around. And that's <laughs> great that a movie can like immerse me that much. Yeah, definitely. What about you, Kevin? Um, I- I'll confess, actually, I'm a big chicken when it comes to, to uh, scary games. I can't play scary games. Uh, and there's so many really good ones coming out right now that, you know, the new Fatal Frame game just came out. Uh, if it's something like Left 4 Dead or, uh, you know, something that's kind of a tongue-in-cheek type thing, uh, I can play through that. But when it's just constant terror all the way through, I don't do well with that kind of thing. So I, I'm easy to scare when it comes to computer games. TV shows... It really depends on how they do it. Uh, I'll tell you an interesting story, actually. Uh, When I lived overseas, um, we had a group of people in my dorms uh, in Japan who introduced the ring, the original ring, uh, Uh to uh, uh, to the student body. And whenever we would introduce a new person to watching this, we would find out their phone number, and right after they would show the cursed video scene, we would call their phone just to scare them. And uh, it got a great reaction. It was pretty scary. Um, That's horrible. It was horrible. You guys are douchebags. Yeah, it was great, though. I should try that sometime. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, as far as scary games or something like that goes, yeah, I, I can't do scary games. I'm a big chicken. Right. And, uh, George, what about you? Um, I like being scared because I am easily, easily scared. Um, I'm very interested more so in than, like, media in, uh... Okay, hold on, let me start over. I tripped over my sentence. I'm more interested <laughs> in the paranormal. Um, you know, like, aliens... You mean, like, the ghosts. real paranormal? Yeah, that sort mm-hmm. of stuff. That, that's, uh... I don't know. I'm drawn to it, despite knowing that if I read about it or if I watch something about it, I'm going to come out of it, like kind of scared and uh i don't know it's like a train wreck i just can't stop myself from gravitating towards it uh just the other night i actually watched something about supposedly the the real life men in black and i came away from that kind of like uh, i can't go to sleep now they're not as friendly (laughs) as will smith and uh uh and uh yeah yeah they they don't bust out into dancing song it's horrible they don't rap over the end credits that's a deal breaker no they don't the Neuralizer, Ray-Ban glasses. <laughs> Old and busted, new hardness. No, no, I think I'm the same as you. I am. I mean, because one thing is creepy, another thing is, is scary, another thing, another thing is uh, like startling. Mm-hmm. I am re- is really easily startled. I actually scream. Well, like you know, s- scream when I am uh, startled by anything, a loud sound. Someone coming out of the corner, anything. But as a creeping, uh, you know, horror thing, I mean, that uneasiness that you have when you see something like not right or, or that atmosphere that the Japanese horror genre is so good at uh, building. It, it's true. I mean, that, that it happened. I mean, because I'm really curious as well. So it just 
makes me, as you say, you you worded it perfectly. You gravitate towards it, even you if you don't really like what I mean, what do you feel? It just you know makes you curious, makes you want to know more. It just seems that Japanese culture does uh, terror or fear of the unknown so well. There are so many times yeah. when I was in Japan that um, the, you know, for example, being in a shrine late at night, I've been walking around a shrine late at night, and that's a creepy experience. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, you have shadows over the statues and, you know, the buildings. You can't quite see what's around there, but it's really quiet, mm-hmm. so you don't know what exactly is going on, what 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 lurks around the corner. And I think they kind of bring that, 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 that kind of terror uh, into horror and certainly into to tokusatsu and several things, several elements. Excellent segue, Kevin. Thank you very much. So yes, we are a tokusatsu yes, podcast. We are tokusatsu so let's network, talk about tokusatsu. But I mean, tokusatsu generally is it in general, as we know, uh, aimed at uh, well, if not small children, like young people in general. So how scary can you be uh, with a kids show in this case, for example? That's uh, what we're going to talk about. And it depends a lot of when, uh, well, the age, the period, the point in time in which you uh, place this kind of stuff. Stuff used to be scarier in general. I think we can all agree on that. Mm-hmm. Not only on Tokusatsu, in general, in media, etc. Uh, there used to be more scary stuff in the past. So uh, we first, uh, well, before we started recording, decided to uh, bring up uh, the Tokusatsu stuff, the Tokusatsu moments, the episodes, the series even, that we found scary in a way or another. And we are going to talk about that. So let's start with... Who wants to start? Um, I guess I'll go ahead and get started here. I don't... Uh, Please. Yes, I'll, I'll mention it here. Um, so one of my one of my first memories uh, as a kid and I'm going to kind of I'm going to start with something uh, not Japanese and kind of segue into into something that I I really think is related to this Um, one of the first films I remember seeing as a kid and it probably was ill-advised but uh, uh, did any of you guys ever see Disney's The Black Hole no, sir. No. Nope. I am afraid I have it. I mean, I'm, I'm going to Google it Okay, right now, Ch- to those of you guys who are listening to this, and you guys, please check this film out if you haven't seen it before. Um, this was in 1979. Oh. This film came out and uh, had a, a pretty impressive cast. And this was when Disney decided they were going to try uh, some new stuff. Uh, they were going to do things that were not family friendly family friendly rather uh animated features they were going to do actual live action films and they were branching out you know alien had just come out star wars had just come out and they were branching into um space terror as a concept and uh uh doctor who actually a couple of years ago made a reference to this episode there was an episode where uh there was a research facility uh uh orbiting a black hole while the black hole uh is about uh, a research facility that's on the event horizon of a black hole and there's a scientist who is pushing the the research of this thing and he thinks that he can go through the black hole using a ship and come out the other side and this is part of his research he's obsessed with this and um, he is uh, a ship comes to the station uh, with a crew to examine what has happened to this because all the communication has, has ceased to this black hole um, and uh, without spoiling too much what they find out is that the scientist has repurposed uh, the uh, 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 the craft 
to fulfill his own experiment. And he tells them at first that all of the people left the uh, uh, the station, that uh, uh, they left the station. Um, there are these faceless robots that wear these cloaks, and uh, they wear these black cloaks. They look like the Grim Reaper, and they have these mirrored masks on. And I remember being so terrified <laughs> of these things. Great combination. Yeah, I remember being so terrified of these things as a child. And... Um, they're supposed to be robots, and they work 24-7 on all the functions to keep the ship from falling into the black hole and to keep the experiment going. And as they go through the episode, as the crew goes through the, through, through the, the, the film, they start to get the idea that things are, are not right with these robots. One of the crew members who comes to the ship witnesses uh, what looks like a funeral. They're loading them into a, a casket. These robots are carrying a casket out and loading it to the mass driver and shooting it out into space. Uh, well, that's curious. Mm-hmm. Another time, one of the crew members is talking to one of these robots and saying, "Are you programmed to, you know, are you programmed to respond? Are you programmed to speak?" And the robot, of course, doesn't respond to him. It just stares at him with this blank, mirrored mask. Um, um, and as it's leaving, he notices that it walks with a limp. Well, r- why does robots walk with a limp? Uh, why would a robot do that? So, uh, what? eventually happens this big reveal where um, one of the crew members removes the the uh, faceplate from the robot and they find that it's a human under the mask. It's a lobotomized human. The, the doctor actually... Oh, God. You know, the doctor... Uh, it's this zombie-like face that the doctor actually uh, lobotomized everybody and he's using them to further his experiment and it gets really terrifying from there. It's a, it's a fantastic film. And so to segue directly into Tokusatsu here... <laughs> Uh, I have a strong feel. <laughs> I have a strong feeling, and this is my theory. I have a strong feeling that Disney's The Black Hole from 1979 directly influenced the creation of Makai Space from Space Sheriff Gavin. If you remember that, um, so when you watch Space Sheriff Gavin, there's this other dimension that appears to be on the other side of a black hole or something like that where thought becomes reality and it's this really creepy place where uh, uh, you kind of get this feeling that that even you know mathematical equations or ideas take a physical form and that's where Gavin mm-hmm. always has to go to fight these monsters that show up. There's a space sheriff staple mm-hmm. there. Absolutely. Or the dimension yeah. place where the monsters are strong. And some of these things are really terrifying in, in these. Um there's one that I remember actually, and this is the the one that I really remember. Uh, Scheider is probably the most demented, I think, of all of the uh, the space sheriff shows. This is when <laughs> yeah. they just said, yeah. "Yeah, we don't care." Scheider gets weird. We don't care anymore. We're just going to do some creepy things in here. Uh, there's a there's a dwarf in a uh, 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 in, in a wig and a dress who's playing a flute that makes a dog want to kill its owner. Uh, and an interesting fact about that, uh, 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 trivia fact, that dog is apparently the same dog they used in the episode of Winspector that had the dog in it. Uh, that's kind of, yeah. <laughs> really? there's, a, there's a German shepherd in there. It's the same dog, the same canine actor. Uh, but the one that I remember the most, I think, from Scheider um, is the, the Satan Claus episode. Did you guys see that one? <laughs> <laughs> if you guys ever get a chance to... I remember it vaguely, but... Well, it's one of the most famous. Yeah. If you guys who are listening, uh, there is a video on YouTube. If you just Google Scheider Strangeness, you're going to see a, a smorgasbord of all of the uh, uh, weird stuff that happens in Scheider. But there is a scene uh, where their plan for this week is they're going to have a, their own Santa Claus uh, from from Mysterious Space 
this their own monster Santa Claus who dresses in a black costume. And instead of bringing happiness and joy to children, he is there to destroy Christmas and bring sadness to children. Of course. And the scene that is probably the best of all in that episode and the most creepy for a children's show, they have the real Santa Claus crucified upside down in a forest uh, while children bow down in some kind of satanic-looking ritual. Uh, and uh, it, it goes on far too long to be comfortable, I think. So it's just this feeling of creepiness that, that comes from that. I mean, bear in mind, people, I mean, <laughs> listeners mostly, we were talking about a, a show that aired in 1986, if I don't remember, if I remember correctly. And, well, right now we're all, we're all you know, grown-up people talking about it. Uh, understanding all the symbolism, etc. But know that that uh, show, when it aired, it was intended for children, and it appeared in children's magazines, and there were toys about it. Right. So children were... Exp- well, I mean, not not to sound like a lounge or anything, because I was exposed to it, and I turned out mostly all right. <laughs> but children were exposed to it. I mean, just as... You know, raw, like that. They saw Santa Claus cross up, uh, you know, crucified upside down, that, you know, hellish midget doing his thing, the dog attacking his owner. So... I mean, just to give a little context. But, I mean, being specific, well, I don't think I, this is quite of an obvious question, but what did you find creepy or scary about it, like, in, in specific? I don't know. It reminded me a lot. Did you guys see The Wicker Man? Either the, the new one with uh, uh, Nicolas Cage or the original one? Remember the bees? Yep. Not the it's bees. impossible to take the new one seriously. <laughs> yeah, it is. But, you know, it, it just seemed a bit too, I mean... I, I I get that you can switch the the syllables around and you can turn Santa into Satan. Everybody does that, you know. I guess the Powerpuff Girls yeah, yeah, were, yeah. were going to call. You remember him on the Powerpuff Girls? Did you guys see that? I guess they were going to call him Satan mm-hmm. Claus, but standards and practices got to him first. Um, no. <laughs> they still got away with a lot. Yeah, they did. They did. But you know, it's easy to make that that thing. But uh, that comparison from you know Santa Satan, but. Uh, I mean, first of all, who does this at Christmas time? Because the episode aired at Christmas time. Yeah, yeah. And who does this on a children's show? Well, I guess Scheider does because, you know, um, it, it's just what old, uh, uh, particularly uh, Showa era, Tokusatsu did that kind of thing all the time. Um, yeah. You know, the, I think Ishinomori, his goal was to frighten people originally when he did Common Rider. Oh, most definitely, yeah. yeah. The the uh the second episode of Common Rider. Did you guys see the the original second episode of Common Rider with the Spider-Man? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He is this guy who his monster who creeps around at night and vomits acid onto women who are walking all alone by themselves and dissolves them and it shows this on screen. It's for 1971, you know, I can imagine being a child in 1971 and being terrified by this. And then there's a gold bat from Kankaidu. That's right. He kidnaps the girl, takes it to his gothic mansion. Mm-hmm. It's very vampiric, isn't it? That's good. <laughs> yeah, a lot I think, of fun stuff in that old show. Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, with Kamen Rider, pretty much anything from maybe the first 13, 14, 15 episodes, just with lighting alone, you can scare a kid. I remember that too in the Spider-Man episode. The lighting on that was green. There was a, 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 a it was shot at night, and there was a green lighting that they used on that. It was actually yeah, yeah. such a good usage of lighting in that show. Yeah, there were like just a lot of tight close-ups. Uh, the, the actors were often sweaty. Mm-hmm. It, it was 
really creepy. I probably should have brought that up on my list, but whatever. Well, well we're bringing it, bringing it up now. So why don't we go with you, George, and what you? Well, one of your selections. Um. Okay, so I guess my selection is uh, my first one was Ultraman Tiga episode eight. Um, it's not scary by any means. It's very like spooky fun. Um, I picked it just because it really like epitomizes the spirit of Halloween. I think which when I was watching for watching it for the first time, I thought it was so strange because one of you guys helped me out if I'm wrong. As far as I'm aware, Halloween doesn't really exist in Japan in the way, in the way we know it. Yet. It's starting to get more popular, but not with the trick or treating that they have there. The costumes. It's stuff absolutely is, frivolous yeah. stuff. Just you know, uh, an excuse for people to to wear costumes, mm-hmm. which is fine. I guess it's fine, but it doesn't have any of the you know pagan elements or all the tradition for kids kind of thing. No, it's just uh, like they took what they what they could use of it and left the rest. So no, it's not like a cultural thing. It's more like, um, well, it's, as I said, it's frivolous. Yeah, um, I actually think in the episode itself they just mentioned, oh, this is one of well because characters are in a town. And they just mentioned, oh, this is one of the few towns in the country that actually celebrates Halloween, and that was like ah. blowing my mind for some reason. Um, yeah, so basically in that episode, you have the characters dressing up, you have them going after this witch, it turns out to be an alien. You've got this Pied Piper scenario with the witch trying to kidnap kids. Um, yeah, the first time I saw it, I loved it just because any other time I've seen anything in Tokusatsu that like remotely tries to do Halloween or scary stuff it's always just very like tangent tangent you know the word I'm sick right now <laughs> related <laughs> uh, like you know like Satan Claus mm-hmm. it's you know it's scary stuff but it's not like outright this is Halloween yes. so that's what I really really loved about that episode thank you yes. uh, Nick tell us about your stuff well, my first thing was another episode of Ultraman Tiga, episode uh, 22, Yay. A Fog's Coming. And that one is a direct homage to Stephen King's The Myth. You know, one of his more famous stories. I think he turned it into a short novel. But uh, most people might know it from the movie in 2007. Right. The remake, yes. Yeah. So, the basic idea in The Myth is that there's a bunch of people trapped in a supermarket. And, you know, a mysterious mist rolls into town. People try to go home, immediately get attacked by monsters. So they're stuck in this one location, fighting off monsters that they can't see. It's this whole fear of the unknown thing. And Tiga kind of... it. Well, the mist has a fatalistic ending. I mean, not to spoil it, but it's short. But it doesn't end well Mm -hmm. for the heroes. So Tiga tries to reverse that. But before you get to that point... In Tiga, it's like a meteorite falls on the mountainside, small town, and fog rolls in. And so you have townspeople living their lives, being all happy or whatever it is townspeople do. And <laughs> the mist comes in, right? It's like, oh, it's another foggy day. But the mist carries with it parasites. So you've got these fleshy little spores that attach to people. And suddenly they're all mind-controlled. And you don't know what it is. It's the meteorite. Is there a monster? So, Daigo, the uh, Ultraman at the time, and another Guts member, Hori, they show up, and they team up with, I think she's a scientist, and she's the daughter 
of a scientist who died in episode four. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So they team up, fight off the mist, try to outlet, outlast it until Ultraman can take it out. And so the thing is, the girl, she's trying to, she kind of twists the mist ending because she's telling Hori the story. She's like, this reminds me of this thing that happened in this story I read once. And when he gets scared, she's like, oh, no, it, it doesn't end badly. The man and the woman get together. <laughs> and it's like, oh, that's cute. But I'm just main the monster that appeared. It, it's creepy. It's really scary, it's the monster. It looks like a giant mass of pimples. Yeah. And, yeah. And uh, they would attach rough. themselves to people as well. Yeah. So all the little spores that attach to people, the monsters, just a bunch of those stacked on top of each other. It's really one of those primal fears. We're afraid of the dark. We're afraid of... We're afraid of disease. We're afraid of, you know, uh, uh, things that we can't see. We're afraid of mm-hmm. night. We're afraid of bad weather. And this this thing, I don't, I don't remember what. I mean, they they became really famous about uh, you know people's aversion to clustered up small uh, yeah I know holes and stuff. What, what I mean, I don't remember the word. If someone can look it up, please. Claustrophobia. No, 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 no about thing that Junji seeing Ito did. a bunch of like holes together within an uh-huh, object. like clustered up holes oh, or clustered thing. up small spirit. I have that. Where I see like a bunch oh, of you're like talking black about like spots in a small place. Like the lotus pictures on the, the internet. Uh, exactly. Those, yeah, you know, creepy pictures that everybody says that yeah. And, yeah. and they are really unpleasant to see. Yes. Actually, so. Yeah, it's called, it's called trypophobia. Mm. There you go. Yeah, that trypophobia, that's the thing. So, uh, you know, fun experiment. Next time you bite into like, I don't know, a wafer, look at that from the inside. It might blow your mind. <laughs> Don't make me do that. I, like, I want to eat wafers. I mean, wafers are nice. Trying to ruin something. life for everybody. It's just an experiment. Nothing is going to happen to you. Everything but, uh, happen to you. Yeah, my main thing was the first half of Ultraman Nexus. Mm. And yes. it speaks to not like a look at the scary monster kind of horror, but like existential horror, kind of psychological horror. Mm. In that, I guess like, let's start with the uh, original Ultraman, Eiji Tsuburaya, was a Roman Catholic. And you can see some kind, of, a few references here and there throughout Ultraman, like how they have a frequent habit of getting crucified and whatnot. Is that why he makes but, a cross with his arms when he fires his beam? Mm-hmm. Interesting. You could very well that's be. what I'm not going to claim that, but that's my speculation. Interesting. Like that's what I would assume. So uh, Ultraman Nexus takes that idea, you know, Christian references and alternating. And at least from my interpretation, it goes the extra mile in that we have the main villain for the first half is that he turns into an evil Ultraman called Dark Mephisto. And his minion is Dark Faust. So right there you have that classic deal with the devil. Faust makes the deal with Mephisto for ultimate knowledge in some versions of the story or whatever. And he regrets it. He goes insane. So you have a Mephisto, you have a Faust, but Mephisto's plan, what it appears to be in Nexus, is to tempt uh, Komon Kaito, our hero, who isn't an Ultraman. And so it's kind of like the Book of Job in that sense, in that you have this one evil force that's already tempted one person, you know, already led one person astray. Their whole thing is like, let me see how far I can break you, Kaito Komon, but Kalmon believes in Ultraman. So, which is, uh, the human host is Himiya June. And June has seen, he was a war photographer, and he's seen some terrible stuff. 
So you have a bunch of characters who all carry trauma. Komon was a rescue worker who uh, fell. I think he fell from the helicopter or something. Yeah. So he has a lot of... I think he might have PTSD. They don't make it explicit or anything like that. June definitely has some issues because he saw a girl die in front of him. The guy who turns into Dark Mephisto, he used to be a member of the defense team. So it's like this, uh, you know, good turn to evil, Satan falling from heaven kind of thing. And so I just like that aspect of it, of like <coughs> corruption. And that's what his goal is when he's Dark Mephisto, is to corrupt Komon. And you don't know why until like, yeah, until the end of the series. And it's just like, the stuff they do to him, especially like related to his girlfriend, and you find out what her deal is, and then later you find out who Dark Faust is and how important that is, and then Komon starts having these weird dreams. This is very kind of a uh, Jacob's Ladder sort of stuff. Another good film that everybody should watch, by the way, if you haven't seen that. Yes. By the way, I wanted to mention this, and without getting much into religion, it's all, but I was raised as a Roman Catholic. And uh, uh, Nexus was a really uncomfortable series to watch because, as you mentioned, it's very much about inner darkness and about mm. trauma, about guilt. Roman Catholicism is based on guilt. Yeah. The, the, the doctrine is based on guilt. And Ultraman Nexus was such such a... It was, I mean, the basis of the, of the conflict and the, the, the origin of the, of the villains, in this case, of all these dark uh, ultras, was guilt. It was a really uncomfortable show for me to watch because yeah, you don't have a good aftertaste after watching, especially the darker episodes. Oh yeah, because I had of to this, take uh, a lot uh, of breaks between episodes. Like normally, you'll yeah, watch a few, yeah, like three or four episodes at a time. You can actually one, binge it like a, a lot because it's really, really. I mean, it, it starts make you question stuff about yourself, about what you do, about what you consider good and evil, what you're capable of doing. I mean, things that you normally don't consider at all, but I don't know. It's hey, a wait a second, wasn't I watching the kids show? What happened? Uh-huh. Um, Nick, I got a question for you. Mm-hmm. When you first watched Nexus, did you watch it live, or was it years later? Oh, I wasn't into Toku when it aired live. Mm-hmm. So it was later. And I just finished my first rewatch of it, which is why it's fresh in my mind. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I wasn't around when it first came out. Yeah, because I, I I was I was there when it was uh, when it was live, and I had pretty much everyone watching it had all that time to just take in what was happening and kind of feel mm-hmm. like crap together. It was <laughs> awesome, especially with the uh, what was her name uh, Rico, his girlfriend. Yeah, yeah, his girlfriend. You know her whole deal and you know what happens with her that. There was just this this massive time, a span of weeks, where you could just go to the forums and see people just progressively becoming more and more depressed and just starting to question life. Yeah, it's my favorite Toku, like, period, but it's a hard <laughs> watch. Yeah, it, it's it's definitely great. It's just, it, it's trying to challenge you as a viewer, I think. No, Which it's, is, it's not a comfort food. I mean, do? we talked about it in the past, it's not a comfort food. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, I don't. I want to mention the fact that it's, you know, it wasn't meant to air at seven thirty in the morning, but I don't know how to work that in. But hey, I just did. <laughs> well, I mean, it made such an impact that well, I'm not sure if there was anything to do with it, but it was cut short. And yeah. Ultraman Max, which followed it, is a really uh, tonal negative 
of what Nexus was. They are completely in the opposite opposites. direction. Yes. Yeah, completely. And I don't and know if they did it too, to compensate. It's not yeah. It might be something for an Ultraman podcast down the line. Yeah. We'll get into that later. Certainly. <laughs> Thank you very much. Anyway, uh, without, I mean, I have talked a lot, so I'm going to just briefly mention it, but I wanted to mention it. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember Kuga, its most memorable grongi, the porcupine grongi. Kamen mm-hmm. uh, Rider Kuga, episodes 34 and 35. Now, to refresh everyone's memories, the enemies of Kamen Rider Kuga are called grongi, which are like a super-powered race uh, from ages ago that uh, dedicates themselves to kill humans in what they call the gegeru, which in their language means game. The game is to kill... Uh, as many as many humans in the conditions or circumstances specified by the player within the time period that they are allowed, and one of these particular um, grongi guys was the one by, well, the design after a porcupine, which appeared in episode thirty-four and thirty-five. He targeted high school students of a single class by um, shooting a small dart into the brains. And having them die of encephalitis four days later. Oh my god! Sounds like something out of the well, ring. Well, just to start, yeah, yeah. Uh, four starters. Look at that. I think Kuga in general is a good show for this topic. Because, yeah, you know, we're yeah, going yeah. way back to when Common Rider monsters killed people. Yeah, and yeah. the horrible thing about the Grongi is it's a game to them, mm. and it's like just that—the idea that there are these inhuman things to think of your life as pieces on a chessboard, and so. Every few weeks, it's a new way to kill people in all these imaginative, inhuman th- ways. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 that's the the creepy part of it. It was interesting to see how they did it. It was like almost like like you know, you joining with them in, in how they kill them and how the game developed. You, well, mm. I'm, well, I'm just you know, it's a personal note, and I well, I don't feel proud about it. But it's like you you get interested into the game into how it's going to develop, even though it's about killing humans. Well, well. Fortunately, it's fiction. So, uh, well, I mean, the, the 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 well, there is one thing that that the method and all the thing is horrific, but the atmosphere in which the episode is placed is really that of a of a horror film. In the case of it's the the student uh, realizing, I mean, they realize that they've been targeted when they see the human form of the grongi uh, appear, and they use this really. I mean, the the, the director uses this really. Interesting um, <clears throat> way of portraying his appearance. They used to t- uh, shoot it in tape back then, not film, right. and not HD tape. It was tape. So uh, when you go, when you close up on the tape, it gets really like watery. Like I mean, the you know, it gets blurred. And he he used that effect to have him like go from one way to the other with this creepy sound, and the car. The, it was a really. <clears throat> dynamic way of uh, editing it so that uh, the the police were after him, Godai was after him, they would try to catch him but he would just, you know, like teleport and all those small moments in which he was stalking the victim and just enjoying, because he told them once, they just were desperate, they were, uh, you know against the wall and they were why are you doing this why are you, you know, chasing us like that, well because it's fun because I like to see how you suffer because I have to see how you cower mm-hmm. and then after knowing that you see the student at the hospital having known that he's been attacked, not being able to sleep, uh, just, you know, uh, trembling in fear. And then 
uh, well, the other well, the, the, the plot develops in the into the fact that one of the students uh, kills themselves before the encephalitis ensues, so that they don't have to go through all the fear and all the suffering that that represented. And the rest is just cougar epicness in all this. I mean, it's it's the first time that cougar becomes his. What's the name of the form? Amazing Tight. Mighty. Tight. Oh yeah. Tight. He gets no mad. That itself is kind of scary because Godai has been like this pure nice uh, yeah, hero, exactly. uh-huh. and he That's loses the other thing. control. Yeah, just you know, for in case you're lost, you've probably seen the clip of him just going hog wild, beating the snot out of a grongi. That's the episode we're talking the about. The one that's used yes. pretty regularly as a as an animated GIF or a webm. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's really <laughs> well known. That one. <laughs> This was the guy. This was the guy, guy whose hum, whose human form kind of looks like a a visual K singer. Is that right? With the the lipstick. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. Like a young visual K singer. Yeah. So I mean, and uh, Godai explains how when he was you know beating the the Gronky to a pulp, uh, he said like he said it like this. I was just beating him, and I suddenly felt this big this intense hatred for him. Because there, there was another great sequence in which he was just beating him around, and you could see the photographs of the students that he had killed, like uh, you know, flashing in, and Godai just going all, uh, all out against him, and uh, it takes me back to what we talked about Nexus. It was not only about how scary a monster like that can be, but how scary you can become if you, if someone you know pushes his buttons, or or if, you know the right circumstance arises and you lose control. So I think that was scary in many levels, and that's why I wanted to bring it up. Killing for sport. There's no uh, evil without a purpose. Just for the sake uh, of evil. Is, is that's the thing. Yes. There is no practicity to it. It's just... Just because you know? I can, pretty much. Uh-huh, uh-huh. It's kind of interesting around uh, the... I guess around that time, uh, a lot of shows were like that. How they, they, they I guess they had kind of not transitioned into the more kid-friendly thing. I really got the feeling that, you know, the the whole thing with the Goranji, um, they wanted to do it in Kamen Rider Wizard, and it just felt like they, they wouldn't let them do it, that they wanted the, the plot to be a lot darker in Wizard, but they, they, they wouldn't mm. permit them to pull it off. There was a lot of potential for, you know... I'm, re- I'm remembering back to Wizard, there's a scene where um, they show... Um, uh, I remember watching when they showed Medusa uh, 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 when her first uh, when her uh, phantom uh, came out of her, and it's just a terrifying scene. The the thought that all that you are and ever will be in your entire life, existence, consciousness, everything is just wiped away, and something else takes control of you. You cease to exist. It's not just death. It's you cease to exist as a person. Mm-hmm. And I think they really wanted to put that in there, but, you know, with Wizard the way that it was, uh, they have a lot of great ideas, but they can't stick the execution of it. On the other hand, though, and uh, bringing up actually one of the points that Emily wanted to bring mm-hmm. up, you have Sora, Gremlin. Mm-hmm. Uh, so <laughs> why don't we talk about a bit, a bit about yeah. that? Yeah, he's a serial killer. Spoilers, <laughs> and uh, you know most people, when they become a phantom, um, they are replaced by their uh, by their phantom. Well, he was just so evil that uh, he he becomes the phantom. He's he, he's more evil than the phantom. So uh, mm-hmm. uh, he takes control. 
Humans are the real monsters. Yes, humans yes. are the real monsters there. Or some humans are, apparently. We suck. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm thinking back to actually around the Cougar time, you actually mentioned... Or, uh, there's another show that came out during that time that I thought uh, was surprisingly scary, considering that it was Sentai, and Sentai is considered the more family-friendly of the two. Uh, the time, uh, yes. Did you guys see GoGo5? Mm-hmm. I have. Not I love it. Go Go Five. Love it. If you haven't it's checked it out, it's it's great. It's a rescue show. It's like they decided to take the best uh, elements of uh, the Metal Heroes uh, rescue series and combine it with Sentai. And uh, it's like they tried to take Five Man uh, and redo it, but make it better this time. I apologize to any Five Man fans who. All, all, all three of you that may be out there. <laughs> but um, they're all related, so they do that bit. And the the suits are all fu- the suits are all functional. That's their rescue equipment. They actually built this these suits to be functional. So you see their respirators, and they go in and they rescue people from fires and and and, and things. It's very very similar to Wind Spectre and Soul Brain and, and series like that, where they actually go in and do stuff with their their super suits. But they switch it up because you don't have Sentai without having monsters. So we have these creatures that are supposed to show up, and this is kind of doing the Nostradamus millennial prophecy where there's going to be this celestial alignment of the planets called the Grand Cross. And there is this terrifying creature called Grandine. Um, the Great Witch? Who is a witch, yes. She's the Great Witch. And she they have to do this terrifying satanic ritual to summon her. And before they summon her, they do it partially, and she looks like a creature out of H.P. Lovecraft, this horrifying tentacle. <laughs> yeah, that was great design, yeah, actually. It was beautiful. Yeah. I mean, it was a wonderful thing, and it was terrifying. Uh, but then, uh, to spoil it a little bit, when they finally do summon her, she looks like Gene Simmons. So, <laughs> yeah. But it's still a creepy thing. It does look like Gene Simmons, yeah. yeah. And uh, for the, by the by the way, one of her lieutenants, uh, for those of you uh, uh, Green Riverlight fans out there, uh, Hikaru Midorikawa does do the voice of one of her lieutenants. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, you have you can find many uh, lots of scary stuff in the not not exactly in the show, especially in Sentai, which is a genre I my favorite genre out of the Tokusatsu subgenres. Uh, many scary things uh, in the the settings, in the scenarios, and in the inspiration. Let's go to Shinkenjo. I mean, there, there are many ways, many things we can talk about without being uh, spoily. But I'll let you talk first, George. Uh, about what I think might be spoilery, or just in general. But um, in general, first, and then see if the spoiler works or doesn't. Okay, I guess. Um, so in general. One of the things I really love that Shinkenger was always able to do is um, with its villains, whenever you saw them congregate in their own little dimension, the Sanzu River, you you really got a feeling of, I don't know, get maybe dread. I'm not sure if that's the right word, but mm-hmm. they were able to set the mood so brilliantly during those scenes that you kind of just felt like these guys are monsters and wherever they go they just bring the mood down there's no <laughs> yeah. happiness there's nothing good to be found around them yeah, the Sanzu River actually is a Buddhist uh, 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 concept uh, it's the same as the river Styx uh, it's, yeah. it's the place where the That's dead go they have to cross the river uh, to be judged so they're on a ship that is literally caught between judgment and the real world yeah, that's yeah. So they're pretty much in purgatory. 
pretty much. Right. It's where yeah, that, the that. it's where the accursed spirits uh, uh, who refuse to move on uh, are trapped between worlds. Yeah, that's exactly. I mean, it's like, I mean, uh, well, uh, I've seen some of the fan subs calling them the fallen ones. I think that approximates it a bit of what Gedosh means. Gedo is one of the six parts of, of uh, taught in Buddhism. And Gedo is written uh, outside, the path outside. That means the path that no human should go down. That's what you cannot do. Like that's like the lowest, the vilest, the cruelest, all that you, all the you know abominable things you can imagine. That's the Gedo, and those are the villains of Shinkinja. I mean, they live in the Sansa River. Yes, when humans suffer, the the water uh, level increases, and once the water you know uh, flows over into the real world, they can they can survive without having to turn back to the river. And I remember, uh, without being spoilery, as I said, one of the monsters, Nami Ayeshi, uh, he doesn't terrify people. He doesn't attack people. He just goes to a little boy that had just lost his grandfather before a big game that he wanted him to attend. Tells him, if you get rid of one of your dreams, if you get one, rid of one of your uh, things that you value, I'll bring another one. Which meant that he had to jump off a high platform, break his legs so that he didn't go to the game, and he would bring his grandfather back. That was the deal. It's very fast, Ian. He, the, the, stupid the stupid child does jump. And the, other, the only thing that the Ayakashi had to do was telling him, Oh, sorry, I was lying. Oh. Um, and that was all his mission, and that, and that did increase the level of the Sansa River. But that's the vileness we are talking about. Yeah, when I was I watching mean, that, I was really surprised that he actually yeah. jumped and broke his leg. Uh -huh. Shinkenja at the time felt so different for a Sentai, more like he was willing to take a couple more risks than shows. And yeah, I mean, that it was risky in the sense that he was so cruel and so exactly. mean and so, so when he jumps, dark. When he jumps, I expect, you know, uh, Ryunosuke to save him. Or, or yeah, Marco, yeah. Or, uh -huh. Marco like, you actually him see him hit yeah. the ground, and for me, that was just a moment that took me back took me aback whatever I'm so yeah. sick <laughs> it's one of those primal fears you know as you're a child what if mom and dad what if somebody isn't going to save me what if something exactly. happens uh Nick mm -hmm. what else have you got for us oh that was it <laughs> anything that came to mind while, while talking about other stuff uh no <laughs> Tell them about I mean, I do find it interesting that a lot of this stuff is, like, kind of related. A lot of stuff we're talking about, a lot of it relates to corruption. A lot of it relates to, like, like Kevin says, primal fears. And it's like, at first glance, Tokusatsu isn't the kind of thing where you would expect that to happen. Oh, I just remember what I was going to talk about. Excellent. Cool. Go Godzilla. Oh, that's another thing completely great. Go ahead. First Godzilla, nineteen fifty four, no Raymond mm -hmm. Burr, but uh, yeah, that one. <laughs> Raymond Burr, no Raymond Burr, no Raymond Burr. But, uh, yeah, like primal fears. I guess you could call nuclear fallout a primal fear if you were living in Japan at the time. You know, post war Japan is one of my favorite settings for stuff like anime. Like uh, the two thousand four Tetsujin twenty eight anime is great. That, like the feeling of despair in post-war Japan, but uh, Godzilla, 
Yes, and it's amazing to me that this movie from 1954, you know, the way Superaya did the effects, the way Honda directed it, that still looks like a convincing monster. Like, that Godzilla looks convincing and more terrifying than a lot of the Godzillas you get later, especially yeah, in the uh, yeah. Heisei era. Because there's no, uh, I guess, motive assigned to this monster. You know what woke it up, but uh, other than that, it's walking, talking, nature. You know, it's one of those times where you give nature a face, and that face right. is ugly, mm-hmm. and that face is spewing fire at you. So, it's like, I guess it's like a feeling of depression, because what Japan went through with the bombs being dropped on it, then not even ten years later, you have this movie about, you know, this is what humanity gets for playing with stuff like that. Haven't we already suffered enough? And then for some monster to come out of the ocean and say no, it's like, Ugh, that's, that's a little rough. And, you know, I don't think, they didn't shy away from showing, like, the human cost. Like, you saw people get stepped on. You saw yeah. mothers crying over their children in the hospital. It's some rough stuff in Godzilla 54. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, that's um, some good stuff. There. I actually do recall, you know, going back to how it happened so soon after, soon after the bomb dropping. Uh, I recall reading about people talking about reviews about the movie first coming out and just calling it absolutely manipulative, being so angry at Honda and at Tsuburaya and at mm-hmm. Toho in general just for releasing something. They're like, how could you do something like this? It's too soon. It's a monster. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's taste. what I wanted to mention. Yeah. Exactly, poor taste. The, 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 the risk of going there... Uh, uh, without the the wound having even starting to heal, and uh, th- I mean that that's one of the things that uh, I like. Well, yeah, that thrill me about kaiju stuff in general. I have had more than once the dream of being there when when a monster attacks, and I don't know if you have had that kind of dream, but the the, the dread that you feel, you know, the it's it's such powerlessness it's being uh, in awe it's like an actual awesome thing a good but thing you, you, that uh, depicts that is the scene in Pacific Rim where we see Mako's flashback exactly no that was that was amazing that was, That's a yeah. good one. that was great yeah or and I know some and because people... the monster is pretty much chasing after <laughs> yeah you talk about like the feeling of helplessness she's just a little girl Everyone else around her is dead. Yeah. And it's like, oh, that was a great sequence right there. I know some people roll their eyes about it too, but uh, uh, Cloverfield, the scene in the street where you first see the monster for the first time, and uh, I saw it in theaters, and the monster is you know, literally right over, roaring in your face as they try to avoid it. And, of course, it's found footage, you know, which is super cliche now, mm-hmm. but uh, still a good reveal, I thought, for that. So, But d- despite what you think about uh, 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 Cloverfield as a film, uh, there is that. There is that, 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 that one great scene, I thought. Uh, uh, talking about Cloverfield, that rem- uh, reminded me of both the scene in the subway with the with the oh my gosh the parasites the babies the parasites yeah, yeah. the parasites uh, yeah no they were the parasites that was right. terrifying they were not even spawned from them yes. they were parasites all the creatures that that sequence all that se- I think Cloverfield was really well executed and that, that sequence was really terrifying and that reminded me as well of the sequence in the subway <clears throat> of Gamera Two the Heisei series with Legion. 
I just watched that last uh, week. That sequence was terrifying as well. I mean, imagine you being in the train. And no, Legion that. in general from Gamma Red 2 is yeah. nasty. I remember when uh, you see the egg sacs on her chest. Yeah. When I first saw that, I'm like, please don't let that be what I think. <laughs> and then the babies come out, and I'm just like, it's disgusting. Biological horror. That was great. Yeah. I'm thinking about uh, Kamen Rider Zeto now. Do you remember that one? Mm-hmm. Where mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. creature, the, the, the spider creature at the end, all of the creatures in that movie, I, I actually think that the, uh, now that I think about it, the Batman monster in that movie, he had eyes on his hands, which is exactly like mm-hmm. in Pan's Labyrinth. Exactly. Yeah, you tweeted about it, right? Yeah. yeah. There must have been some inspiration there. We know that Guillermo del Toro loves his, his, his Ultraman and his Tokusatsu, so I... I yeah, I yeah. <laughs> I and that was uh, Amamiya, wasn't it? Yes, it yeah. was. Yeah, so he, he was. Does, that, that, that's his design. He does some stellar terror. Uh, he, some of his yeah. creatures are really terrifying. I remember when I was doing our review for Hakaider, one of the things that struck me was like this utopian society flipped on its head because when they were fighting and the walls would tear apart, the walls were red underneath. So you got this idea of like there's blood <laughs> underneath all the pristine, sterile, white paint that uh, makes up the utopia. Because, you know, normal color theory, white, good, black, evil, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. So it felt like he was saying something. Like you can't build a perfect society without bloodshed. And it was like a real obvious but clever way to show that. Where it's just like the innards, the walls have guts. And those guts are blood red. That was some good imagery. Whenever you like see, uh, uh, whenever you see something that's done by Keita Amemia, uh, you'll definitely know it when when you do it. I mean, uh, uh, the Hakaider film. Uh, gosh, going back to Common Rider Black and Black RX. Uh, all got Shin, of course, Common Rider Shin, if you remember, uh, and the Zerum films. Do you remember the Zerum films? Mm-hmm. Did anybody yeah. see those? Okay, yeah, a long time review for it. <laughs> Terrifying <laughs> biological uh, uh, creatures, usually. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean the, the other subgenre of horror, which is like gore. Mm-hmm. Like you know, well, that was really popular. Tribe in the 80s, and stuff. Remember? That was when the slasher and 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 uh, uh, that sort of thing was really going on. No, the golden age of of that genre. Um, speaking of gore, how do you guys feel about uh, like implied gore? So, for instance, the that bit in uh, Shin Kamen Rider where he just the spine, the yeah, the spine. fatality. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, what's your opinion on uh, that versus actually seeing gore on uh, on film? I might like implied gore better. Yeah, I was looking yeah, at something that like violence, the way it affects you, mm-hmm. like the more in your face it is sometimes, the less it affects you. Exactly. But when you actually have to consider it, when you have to think about the implications, when you have to connect the dots yourself, is when it like really gets to you. Yeah, I was uh, you know, not to go on too much of a tangent. I was watching uh, this crime drama today. It's you know, broadcast on American TV. And it took me by surprise when it shows this person who was set on fire. It just shows their charred corpse. And I, all I could think was, is this really where we are as a society now that this is just, it's okay to show this? Are we that desensitized? <laughs> mm. Yeah. Well, I, mean, I think there are two sides to that coin in the sense that um, 
it shouldn't be out of uh, I mean like the 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 line between taste and censorship to uh, think about whether it was necessary to show the chart corpse or if it was it would have been enough to just suggest it or uh, many uh, other scenes in many other movies and series in which you uh, decide to show or not to show I mean like, well, I mean the suggested code that we're talking about decide to show or not to show just to show part of it just to show uh, a bit uh taking into account uh, what rating you want for the for the movie what uh, public is the movie intended for if the scene is intended to scare or to gross out or just to worry just to establish a, an atmosphere because for mm. example i i just remembered about well it's not necessarily a suggested gore but that scene in hannibal in which the guy is uh, hung by a uh, a rope with with a slash in his stomach so that all the guts come out. Was yeah. it in Hannibal or in Red Dragon? I'm not, I don't remember, but it was one of the. It was one the of Hannibal those two. Movies. It was one of the Hannibal Lecter films. Mm-hmm. This uh, talk about like implied horror reminds me, going back to what I was talking about Godzilla and I think George brought up Gamera, the director of the Heisei Gamera trilogy and the special effects director. They did. Godzilla, Mothra, King Ghidorah, Giant Monsters, All Out Attack, mm-hmm. which after 54 Godzilla is my favorite Godzilla film. And one of my favorite moments in that is when that Godzilla first uses his nuclear breath. You don't see it. Like you see him charge it up and you see him open his mouth. But then they cut to another location and a woman looks out the window and all she sees is a uh, oh, the blue a light on the horizon. cloud. Yeah. yeah. And then the, uh, the explosion. She sees the explosion. And that really got to me when I first saw it. Because it's like, normally, Godzilla's atomic breath is just like, oh, whatever. Pew, pew, shoot the monster. <laughs> but, like, because the implication is, like, it's dead. actual nuclear power. You see a mushroom cloud. And, like, people just died. They can't even show you what happens when Godzilla does that for the first time. It's not just like, like this, this is rough. Like, yeah, it wasn't that, you know, people just died. It was people were just totally decimated. Yeah, like vaporized and like we can't even bits. comprehend how bad it is. Yeah, exactly. I mean that that particular thing about the kaiju genre, in which you don't see the the death that the fights cause in general, because it it, it um uh, in a certain way it deprives uh, the uh, the action itself. Mm-hmm. But I remember back going back to Heisei Gamera as well. Uh, it was Gamera th- Gamera two or three. That I mean, the sequence in Shibuya, which I think is is the the best se- sequence of kaiju of the nineteenth, like ever. That fight between the the two girls and Gamera in Shibuya, and you see the explosions and people being blown away by the explosions, knowing that that those people have died, and many thousands or, or many other thousands have, and then the news report saying how many people died. Uh, I mean, it's uh, the argument calls for it because you need to. Uh, you need the humanity to be uh, angry with Gamera, I think. I, I I don't know where I was going with this. But yeah, it's something like that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, basic point, kaiju movies are a lot scarier than a lot of people would have you believe. Definitely. Gamera, man. Yeah, yeah, I haven't definitely. watched the third one yet, I watched the first one. And like they show the gals eating someone. 
And I was just like, why would you do that to me? <laughs> I thought he was the friend of children. That's what I heard. Because this is my first time watching anything with Gamera in it. So all I know is giant flying turtle, friend of children, whatever. Thank you, like, Mystery oh, Science bird 3, 3, 3, 3K. <laughs> so it's like, why is this bird no, eating? No, I mean, Showa Gamera is a load of crap. That, that I can tell you. It's worse than the worst Godzilla... Showa oh. Godzilla film that can that I can tell you there is quality in the Tokusatsu maybe but as movies they suck. Oh really? That bad? They are bad. Really? I mean, it's they're super Sh- Sh- campy. Sh- Godzilla could get really, really bad. So to say it's worse than that, it's. I mean, it's campier scary. than the Showa Godzilla. Campier, much campier because children yeah. are the the Should main. The We're talking about the Jet protagonists Jaguar, of those though, movies. So. Like, worse yeah, than like, Jet Jaguar? Yeah. Worse than Jet Jaguar? Yeah. Wow, that, that, that. Check them out that. sometime. You can you can you you know skim through them. There is no uh, plot uh, thing that you're going to miss. <laughs> you can watch it without sound, and you'll know what's going on. Uh, so yeah, it's really campy, really bad. Bad. It's bad. It's kind it's of charming. Sometimes though, unbearably so, bad. So I mean, you, you might enjoy it, but understand that you're not going in there here looking for, you know, you're, you're not looking for Lawrence of Arabia or something like that. It's it's gonna be, it's gonna be, <laughs> you know, you're gonna watch a monster slugfest and don't expect an amazing play. It's not like Godzilla well, yeah, 1954. I mean, mm-hmm. Like if, if it's on the level of something like the Son of Godzilla, I would enjoy it because <laughs> that's that's a guilty pleasure of mine. Son of Godzilla is, is still bearable. I mean, it's, it depends on what you like. If you can stand that that amount of camp, that's fine, and you can enjoy it as it is. But it's going to be like a very niche, nerdy enjoyment that very few people are going to be able to join. We are the Tokusatsu Network. That's kind of what we do. Yeah, that, that's, there we go. That's scary. He has said it. Else. He we, has said it. We regularly watch campy shows and. Uh huh. So saying, yeah, this is too campy for me. But for my personal <laughs> taste, it's a bit too campy. But it doesn't come from the tokusatsu element, does it? Just from the story. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the tokusatsu is not campy. Well, uh, there is campy tokusatsu, and then there is no, not campy tokusatsu. But the movie, the camp of the movie, is a problem. Nah. Not really the. He's tokusatsu a flying part. turtle. It's already pretty campy. It's <laughs> one thing I can't get used to watching the Heisen movies. Really? I think like they adapted really well. spinning like a UFO. I'm like, that's a <laughs> Nick, Nick, they're about to do a super serious reboot of Gamera, man. He's, I know. It, I wrote the article. He'll be like, I don't know, a World War II bomber or something. <laughs> that's his job. And you would not be complete without spinning. Yes. Of course. I just want to see him do the, uh, uh, the parallel bars again. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but how that, the, that's that the realistic? camp we talk about. But anyway, let's go back to horror. Mm. But uh, by the way, I I apologize. I personally apologize because we're talking about horror without talking about Garo. But uh, I am really, really ignorant Garo's of Garo. Scary. I haven't Garo's, watched a lot. Garo is not scary. Have you, has any Talking of you watched enough Garo to Garo talk about kinda it? Tries too hard. Yeah, I've always noticed that whenever I watch Garo, there are these moments where they set the characters up, and it's like the show's patting itself on it on its back, saying. Oh, look at how cool these characters are! Look at how at this awesome job we just did. It, but it, to me as a viewer, all I can think is, "Wow, this is really embarrassing." Can I go watch Sentai now? <laughs> at least it knows can what I it go is. Watch <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, there are there are some really well executed concepts. I I remember just the concept of this doctor. I don't remember the name of the of the horror, but he is possessing a doctor, a prodigy doctor, that and that this horror. Well, the, the horrors feed on humans. So uh, this horror 
prepared his humans by curing them of even the most incurable vicious disease and having them at their happiest because that's when they are tastier. Ah. They had them in a hospital, he cured them, and he would call the families and he would eat them while they were at their happiest because they had been cured of this terrible disease they had because that's how, I mean, that makes them tastier. And... Mm -hmm. No, go ahead, go ahead. Well, that concept, first of all, the concept is quite scary. And there is, well, that goes to the scary, funny way, I mean, tales of the crypt kind of thing. Like, scary, but also, like, I don't know, horror comedy without being, like, parodic. I'm not sure if I I am explaining myself. And there's this sequence in which the doctor has all these tendrils coming out of his, of his, uh, of the back of his uh, head with scalpels and pincers and scissors at its ends, and that's how he operates. So the sin itself is gruesome, and he explains how he eats humans while doing so. So the whole frame and the moment, the scene itself, together with the, with the dialogue and the situation, is really, really horrifying. But in, not in the sense that you feel like, you know, the, the coldness creeping up of the spine, but more than like a cold laugh that comes out of you. It's like reading The Monkey's Paw, mm. that kind of thing. Please, someone, you, someone, uh, at, least, yeah. at least the listeners, someone can understand me, right? What what you don't see is scarier than what you do see. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, what you, what, what Nick just mentioned a moment ago. Any other experiences with Garo? Um, well, uh, not ones that I can remember. Yeah, everything I want to talk <laughs> about is more fit for a Garo podcast because it's not really touching on Not about the scary element. stuff. Well, uh-huh. I guess when it comes to the horrors, like the actual monsters themselves, that that's the, a well done aspect of the show. Um, they're always very inventive. The, they can be scary at times. Um, the show does a great, great job of setting the mood and setting the tone. It's just when you introduce the Makaina, it kind of goes to crap. Oh yeah, it it becomes more like an action thing, like that, like a scary thing. You're right. Yeah, poorly done action. Yeah, whatever. Another. another, <laughs> another show. I would if they didn't transform. Yeah, I would like that. No, even yeah. that. No, no, no. Horror. Stick to horror. <laughs> well, we talked about camp for like ten minutes, so. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, you said tangents were okay. Who has the best skeletons in Tokusatsu? Oh, Skeleton no, episodes. Uh, Duranger, Duranger, Dora Skeleton. Oh, that's right. Like. That was a good one. And he has his pointy hat and everything. Mm-hmm. Oh, speaking of Duranger, um, okay, the, something I do want to talk about are the uh, Dora Franken episodes. Mm. Those, oh, those are necessarily creepy, actually. Yeah, I, I watched those recently. <laughs> As an adult, they legitimately bother me. Um, what comes to that's mind a bothering, is yeah, when uh, he's evolving. And you sort of just see the head split in half and a skull come out of it. That that goes back to the whole uh, joke Kevin made of like, "Hey, did you know we all have skeletons inside of us?" Well, not not, not anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that it was it was so well done. There's something. I think Duranger is like the perfect encapsulation of the idea of Sentai of or of Tokusatsu of you know being able to do a lot with a small budget and being able to make it look. Astounding, and that was... and yeah, I'm just seeing zombie Franke, and it's just you know bones and flesh. 
Yeah. The, the face is like, you know, you just ripped up the face up of the person. Like, you, you're showing the bone and the skin and the muscle. And once again, that's... Quite gross. And once again, that's Amamiya. Yeah. So that's one of his ah, yeah, terrifying yeah. monsters there. So you'll, you'll, you'll see that in all kinds of... Anytime you see something creepy, you know, you're, you take a look. It might be Amamiya. <laughs> that rule works most of the time, which is what's so scary about it. Um, he did work on a lot of uh, 90s metal heroes, too. No, not 90s, 80s. So when they were at their most acid trippy. Mm. We should do a podcast on Kate and me as well, I think. It's, I think he'd be a good guy to do it. All about. the material guarantees it. Oh, yeah. You mean I get to talk about Cutie Honey? Yes. Oh, my of gosh. Something, uh, you know, that Cutie Honey so, so show ahead, actually please. bothered me, too. Uh, th- there was a lot of stuff in the Cutie Honey, the, the live-action one. Not the film version, but the TV series, the live. Um, basically, they're building... The, the story is that someone is se- is building bioweapons and selling them to the highest bidder. And that whole thing about something, you know, taking over people's body is a really terrifying concept to me. That... that, that whole concept of doing that, which is the thing in uh, uh, Cutie Honey, is it's, it's this biological force that uh, they're using to build cyborgs and sell them to the you know, to the highest bidder. But you also get that in Common Rider Double, where people are shooting up with this terrifying substance that turns them into monsters. And uh, I remember, I'm thinking back to, uh, uh, and you guys will have to tell me if you saw this, but uh, did you ever see the old miniseries V? Back in the eighties, I remember seeing it. I don't remember much of it, but I remember. I was a child, it, yeah. and and one of my earliest memories, in addition to the black hole, which I'm I'm calling back to there. One of my earliest memories was a V, where when the visitors uh, die, they pull their faces off, and there's this lizard creature under there. It was just terrifying the fact that there's a monster, you know, hiding inside you somewhere. And uh, I guess that's what makes Alien so scary is that we're afraid of, you know, we're afraid of our bodies having disease. We're afraid of what might be lurking inside of us. Maybe that's yeah. what makes Common Rider Black the same way is that, you know, he's got a monster in him. He is a monster. And that's really where Ishinomori, uh, you know, kind of goes with Common Rider in general is that, you know, you're you used to be human and now you're something monstrous. And you're you're not a human anymore. No. The, the fact that you have to separate yourself, even though you, about what you wish or about what, what you feel like, you have to leave. Mm-hmm. You, you're not that uh, human you used to be anymore. You're not human anymore. Your fight is alone. Yeah. You don't belong anywhere. <laughs> uh. Yeah, I thought that was very strange when I was watching the original show. Uh, we had Hongo going on at length about how lonely he is and how he's, you know, by himself. Well, he is surrounded by, like, three, like, Japanese women in their 20-somethings, like this <laughs> hyper kid and a really, like, funny grandpa-type character. Yeah, you're totally alone or whatever. Well, part of that was what Ichinomori wanted to do and the other part was what the network wanted him to do. So about episode 12 or 13, you start seeing things shift from uh, you know, Ishinomori wanting to do these terrifying episodes about really creepy monsters and, and how lonely Kamen Rider and Takeshi Hongo is and how he can never touch another human being because he might kill them accidentally. And you know, kids don't care about that. They just want to see a guy in spandex punching out rubber monsters so hey you know if it moves the toys 
I think Ishinomori probably picked up on that by the time he actually did a direct an episode. Mm -hmm. So backstory here, he only directed a single episode of the original show, and it's just the craziest episode. The preview for it has the monsters talking, like breaking the fourth wall and just saying, "Hey, so Ishinomori Sensei is directing our next episode. You should watch it." <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, though, um, that, to me, that was, uh, at the time watching it, I, I thought it was, you know, strange. Hongo is not alone, but after thinking about it, it, it kind of does add another element of horror, but more of a psychological horror, that you can be surrounded by all of these people, but you're still so incredibly alone that there's nobody who can understand you no matter where you go. Until, you know, you number two comes up then B3 and the Nomes on them whatever they got their own club whatever <laughs> I guess I kind of see that you know we could we could speculate about this in, in all we wanted to but you see that in in civilization nowadays that I mean even in Japan they talk so many so much about how people just withdraw that you yep. can be surrounded yeah. by all these people and yet you don't feel a connection to them so yeah loneliness it's a primal it's fear Exactly. It's and you can't escape it. It's in your own mind. It's not a physical thing. It's you carry it wherever you go. Mm-hmm. We also bring us back to that. I mean, there is a darkness outside, not not knowing what could attack you, what can what could come out of the dark, and then the inner darkness, mm-hmm. which is I think is scarier because of the fact that you cannot run mm-hmm. because it's inside you. Exactly. And I think with inner darkness, it's. The really scary aspect of it is that anything can serve as your trigger. Mm-hmm. You know, you could just be around a crowd of people, and that in itself will make you realize, ah, crap, I'm alone, I got nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, that's quite I, depressing. I think that, <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, that, to me, that goes back to like the implied horror. It's something that you understand, but you're not actually witnessing. I don't know if it makes sense, but, you know, it's just, it's very primal. It's within you. You don't need to be reminded of it in a visual, well, I guess you kind of do, but you don't need to be reminded of it in a very overt manner. It can just be any little thing that triggers you. Yeah, suggest it. Exactly. The rest, you, you do the rest. The rest exactly. is in you. That's really creepy thinking about it. Yeah, you guys are scaring yeah. me now. I'm going to go watch Kyoto Yuger and eat cereal. <laughs> no, no, no you, 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 I will make Kyoto's your scary. Food. No, uh, the dinosaurs. No, they are the last ten of their entire race. There will never be more dinosaurs. Oh. They will die and they will be alone. And then the <laughs> himself will be sad. Why do you do this to me? Are gone because it's Saturday night and I'm sick and I got nothing else to do. <laughs> that is truly scary. <laughs> Dear listeners, he's joking, he's lovely. We all love each other and love life, and we are really happy people. That's what we're bringing to this kind of entertainment. Remember, this is all fiction. There are people in rubber suits, so... Wait, I'm not wearing a rubber suit. What are you talking about? Why not? Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, God. I think we're on our limit. There's a skeleton inside. You have opened a can of worms. <laughs> so let's just go back a bit. Okay. Although we have well gone through all the points that we had uh, prepared, plus a lot of others. Um, what else? So I mean, we're talking about scary stuff, creepy stuff, 
do you have anything else to add? Anything other interesting stuff that you may have been reminded of? I think we're good. Yeah. Are we I good? Got, yes. I've got a question for you, Kuni. Yes, yes. Uh, how scary is it being the host and not having much to talk about? No, I mean, to, to be honest, the sheer horror I'm feeling right now, that's the true, the true emotion that I want people to, to, to you know, uh, see, see, this, this awkwardness, this stupid pauses, it sucks, I mean, my hands are sweating. Oh, you're doing a good job. <laughs> so let's just take you, it It's implied horror, it's within you, you are the common writer. What you don't listen to is the scariest stuff. <laughs> There's a monster hiding in the pauses. Thank you very much for joining me, gentlemen, today to talk about scary toxic stuff and all the unrelated stuff that we still geek on day to day. Not only here, but in our many, many outlets, including the Toxatsu Network website, our main website in which we uh, bring you all the latest news in uh, this Toxatsu world, which is toxatsunetwork.com. We are also in social media. Nick, can you tell us about that? Well, our favorite places to hang out are on Twitter, at the TokuNet, TokuNet, and hit us up on Tumblr, the Tokusatsunetwork.tumblr.com. We're pretty funny people. Sometimes on our Tumblr, Chief will post excerpts from our staff room, so you get an insider <laughs> oh, look really at how nice. funny and crazy we are. And hit up all the individual members on Twitter. We're awesome people, and you want to talk to us. Yeah. We're interesting people. <laughs> We're justifying that a little bit too hard, I think, but that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> but we look forward to talking to everybody, and you With know, this is what we enjoy doing. Stuff. We like watching people in rubber costumes and spandex uh, slap fight with one another. Uh, so, uh, please feel free to talk to us at any time. And if you hear about anything fantastic out there that's coming, or anything that you just want to talk about, drop us a line. Oh, by the yeah. way, if you want to talk to us, you can talk to us at forums.tokusatsunetwork.com. Yes. How do you like that segue? Good, right? Right? <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah give it a 7 out of 10. Look, man, I will end you. Uh, just uh, please leave a... Uh, uh, oh, we're also on YouTube. Yeah, I run the channel together with Tom and I'm mentioning it. And we're I... also on YouTube with lots and lots of um, material, especially from Japan interviews. There are more interviews coming. I'm not going to uh, stop saying it anytime soon. We have already interviews on the way. We have interviews that we are, uh, you know, we have that have taken place and are in process. And we have interviews of people uh, in the future that you may be really excited about. So go and subscribe to uh, the Toxatsu Network YouTube channel and iTunes as well. Um, exactly. Yes. And regard well, but talking about iTunes, please leave a review either on iTunes, Stitcher, Stitcher or Podbean, which are the three platforms, uh, the main platforms we have the podcast in, so that we can have more visibility and this drivel can reach more people. I usually listen to podcasts so, from my phone while sitting on the toilet, so I hope our visitors and our listeners have not been uh, uh, sitting on the toilet this whole time. So hopefully you're on a train or driving somewhere in your car or something like that. But if you are on the toilet, then, then hope there's probably not a monster in there that's going to come out and grab you. Probably not. The monster is the podcast. We are the mist. Exactly. It's after the podcast ends, you will receive a call. <laughs> we will not tell you what the call is about, but you will receive it. It might be your student loan. You may have already won. <laughs> you might be interested in real better hard. long distance exactly. rates. Mm, low, low, long distance rates. 
No, so, without not. further ado, I would like to thank you for listening to us today. Uh, I was Cooney, your host, very incompetent host of this podcast. I was joined by Nick. Mm-hmm. God almighty. Yes, you were joined by Nick. So, say something. <laughs> he did. <laughs> this, is so, this is so shambles. Oh, my God. I'm going to keep doing this until y'all kick me out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's go back uh, from there to George. I love all of you people. (laughs) (laughs) And finally, last but not least, as usual, Kevin. Skeletons. Also, make sure you check out The Black Hole if you haven't done it. It's one of Disney's most unknown films. Fantastic. I'm actually going to to check it out as soon as I can. It has been released on DVD. After such a long time, it has been released. Mm -hmm. Yay. Happy Halloween. Be safe. Watch scary stuff. It's too soon to talk about that, you know, festivity at the end of the year. So let's enjoy the dark times first and then talk about that snowy, presenty, Christmas carol-y. Oh, I said it. (laughs) (laughs) brought darkness upon us all. The the decorations are already going up before Halloween. I mean, before that, we can still do the Tokusatsu Thanksgiving episode. Do they have those? I mean... It, they gotta have at least one, right? Somewhere. Yeah. Nah. Look, we'll find right, we'll find track one. one down and talk about it for hours at length. You guys know of a Thanksgiving a turkey episode. monster in like one episode. If you know of a Thanksgiving yeah. episode, please post us a comment about that. We have to find this. And please tell me what it should be about because I have no idea. Um, but if you're Canadian, you've already had Thanksgiving. Oh, yes, indeed. Anyway, we have, you know, been talking to blabbing too long. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Good night. Be safe. Bye. 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 Bye.